Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you haven't picked it up yet, this is a full-service service this morning. And what I mean by that is we're doing a mini-service of lessons and carols. We're doing baptism. We're doing communion. There's a lot packed into today. And part of the reason is last week was New Year's Day, and it, was, it didn't make sense to do a service of lessons and carols. But it did make sense to do it today. And today is also the Feast of the Baptism of Jesus And so it made sense to do baptisms today. So it just dovetailed together, and it's really a wonderful day in a lot of ways. But there's a word that we used in the service already, and I've already used at the beginning here, and the word's epiphany. And unless you really understand what the word means, it can be lost on you. The word epiphany, which we use during this season, this time of year in the church calendar, means appearing or revealing, epiphanos, to shine upon, light upon. And the verb form of that means to cry out or to shout. In other words, God's trying to get the word out. He's trying to get his message across. And the pinnacle of that is in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the baptism of Jesus is the beginning of his public ministry. It's his coming out party, if you will. It's when, for 30 years, he had been with his family. For 30 years, he had had the responsibility as the eldest son of taking care of his family. And now at this time, his family is of a place that he can now come out. And he now has credibility, because of the age that he is, to come out and gather a group of people around him. And so Jesus, the first step, because he's modeling for us what it means to be a Christian that will come out later, he comes out and he's baptized. Not because he needs to be baptized in the same way that We need to be baptized, and we'll get to that. But because it's the first step, it's the first stage. And it's really, really interesting because in many ways, at this time, it's also a reflection of creation. And let me tell you what I mean by that. If you would, if you have a pew Bible, turn in the pew Bible to page 1. Shouldn't be too hard. Turn in the Pew Bible to page one. Look at the very first couple of verses in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind 
from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, why do I point that out in reference to Jesus' baptism? Because we come across at the very beginning the wind from God. The word wind in the Hebrew is ruach. And that wind, that word wind, is the same word that's used in the New Testament for the wind on Pentecost, which is the Holy Spirit. It's the same word that's used in the Old Testament as breath. It's the same word that's used in the New Testament when Jesus breathes on the apostles and says, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the word that is used for the Holy Spirit, if you really understand. So what's being said here is in the beginning, God, that's God the Father. He was presiding over everything. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit is moving because the Holy Spirit moves over what God does. And then we read, and then God said, he spoke. And that's how action takes place in creation. If you read John's gospel, what we read in the beginning of John's gospel is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then John 1.14, and the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. So what you have in these first couple of verses in Genesis is you have the Trinity, right off the bat, being presented. Now, you might think I'm making this up. Now, while you still have your finger in page 1, I hope, look at verse 26. Then God said, let us, let us make humankind in our image. Who's the us? The us is the Trinity. God the Trinity is the one that's going to make humankind in his image. That's why we talk about three persons in one God. Fast forward to the baptism. The baptism of Jesus Jesus is presenting himself to be baptized. That's the word incarnate. God made flesh. God bringing the revelation of God in human form. And then we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, present at the baptism. And then we see God presiding over the baptism and saying, this is my son. You have the same. You have a new creation going on. You had creation, now you've got a new creation. You've got a difference going on, though. At that first creation, what begins to happen after God creates everything as good and then very good is it's descending towards a fall when sin enters the world. When Jesus brings this new creation... Something else is happening. Jesus is bringing salvation and eternal life. That's the new creation. And that's why this is such a critical event. That's why this epiphany is happening. That God is revealing His Son at the very beginning of His ministry. As to what He is, as to who he is, as to what he's going to be about. 
And so it's important that you understand this event. Now, what we're going to talk about just briefly is Jesus' baptism. And we're going to talk about our baptism. And then we're going to talk about the whole notion and idea of covenant. Because we're actually sharing in the two critical sacraments of the church today. The sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of Holy Communion. Those are the two critical sacraments of the church. The two that Jesus commands that we do as the church. The sacrament that happens at the beginning and the sacrament that's meant to nurture us. What is a sacrament? If you remember your basic catechism, a sacrament is an outward and visible sign, say it with me, of an inward and spiritual grace. See that? That's really good. But there's two components to that. The outward sign is not meant to be alone. There's meant to be something inward. Otherwise, it means nothing. There's nothing magical about what we're about to do today. The outward sign in and of itself means nothing. Unless there's a reality of faith in one's heart. Jesus' baptism. Jesus' baptism is not quite the same as ours. He models that it's critical. He models that this is meant to be this new beginning in our lives. That's why he does it. John the Baptist says to him, I shouldn't even be baptizing you. Because John the Baptist understood who he is. He's perfect. And baptism is about repentance and cleansing and transformation. Because we're sinners in need of redemption, in need of a Savior. And John says, you don't need this. But Jesus says, I'm here to fulfill all righteousness. I'm here to show you what you need. What you need. And so Jesus consents. And then what Jesus also models is, this is how the Holy Spirit begins to work in you. It's when you're baptized, you're admitting that you need to be cleansed. You're admitting that you have sin in your life. You're admitting that you can't be the God of your life. That's what baptism means. That baptism means that humankind has fallen. That left to our own devices, we fail. We need a Savior. And we need someone to be the God of our life that's not us. And so when we come for baptism, 
This is what we're saying. Let me point out to you three scriptures. You don't have to turn to these. That Paul writes about these two themes of baptism. First is in Romans. Romans chapter 6. Therefore we have been buried with him by by baptism into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. There's that whole notion and idea that we have to die to sin and die to self. And that we're raised to newness of life in Jesus Christ. That this new life that we're talking about is found in Him, through Him. He lives in us. That the cross, once again, that He went to for us in our place for our sin, that represents us dying to self, dying to sin. And that the new life in us, as we come out of that water, buried, if you will, is that new life in Christ. From Galatians chapter 3, same idea, same theme, said in a different way. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. That new clothing that we put on. It's that outward, you know, a lot of people wear white when they're baptized. In the early church, they all put on new white robes. That's why clergy wear these white robes. That's the symbolism. Putting on Christ. But it's not just meant to be the outward. It's meant to represent the inward. Otherwise, we're hypocrites. It's not, it's not that we don't sin and we don't fail, but we're not trying to hide something. We're not trying to fake it. We're not putting on. Colossians chapter 2. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God. That's the key. It's through faith. Again, not because you did it, because you trust him to do it. And it's his power working in you, not your own ability. And then Colossians chapter 3 goes on to say, describing this taking off of the old life, taking off the old clothes, if you will. And what it amounts to in chapter 3 is attitudes and character as well as actions. It's not just about the actions. It's what's inside as well. And then the putting on is the same. It's about virtue and it's about character. And it's about the fruit of the Spirit as well as our actions. It's everything about who we are. That's the newness of Christ. And, you know, sometimes what comes into question because of the way that we practice things, and you will see both today, you're going to see infants being baptized, and you're also going to see two young men speaking for themselves being baptized. We do both in our tradition. Why do we baptize infants? 
Well, first of all, because in Acts chapter 16, you will see twice made reference to household baptisms. Lydia has her household baptized. And then the Philippian jailer has his household baptized. Household included everyone. It's just the first generation, the early believers, they all professed faith. But what the the analogy to baptism is that we believe is that it's the same to when Jesus was presented in the temple. That's why we had it dramatized on the screen before you. His circumcision, the Old Testament practice, when he was presented, he became part of the covenant at that point. He was raised in the faith until he came of age, the age of reason, to speak for himself. That was the Old Testament practice. That infants were part of the covenant from early on. That's what we believe. And that's why we baptize infants. So it is the faith of the parents and godparents that makes it real. They are promising by their own lives that they will model and they will raise this child in the faith. That it's real for them. They're not just faking it. You know, when parents sometimes call me up, And they say, we want to have our child baptized. If I hadn't seen them in months or years, I'll say, let me ask you a question. What do you think baptism is? And I tell them, start attending church for a while and we'll talk about it. And then we'll have a meeting and we'll talk about it. Because I want them to understand it's not just about the act of baptism. It's not just about having their child done. It's not just fire insurance. It's about a life. It's about them living it for themselves first. You know the old line, do as I say, not as I do? That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because really the message you're sending your children is when you get old enough, you don't have to do this either. That's not the witness you want. The witness that you want is I love the Lord. And I want to worship Him. I walk by faith. I want to constantly grow. That's what the apostles did. That's what Jesus did. And that's why for the adult, it's a profession of faith. And for the infant, it's the walking of faith by the parents and their profession. It's word and deed. It's called the covenant. It's not a contract. It's not a legal relationship. It's not obeying laws. It's like a marriage. It's a covenant. 
And Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament covenants and establish a new covenant. In the Old Testament, you have the Abrahamic covenant. And you have the Mosaic covenant, the covenant of Moses, the Ten Commandments. And then you have the Davidic covenant. And it's important to understand what each is about. The Abrahamic covenant. I'm giving you the revelation of who I am. You'll be blessed so that you can be a blessing to the nation, the father of many nations. And if you saw what Jesus, when he was lifted up by Simeon, the glory of Israel, the light to the Gentiles, he's the fulfillment to the promise of Abraham. To Moses, he was given the commandments. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. To David, he's the king, the lion of Judah. He takes his place on the throne. And that's why we refer to the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word testament can also be called covenant. So we have the new covenant in Jesus Christ. He fulfills the covenant for us. If you understand what he's about. James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his letter, Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. It takes the reality in one's heart, the faith, and living it out in your life. You trust in Jesus. You walk the walk. You don't just talk the talk. Let me put it to you another way. Love is a state, it's a noun, and it's a verb. We talk about love. But when you love, you respond to someone with loving actions, with sacrificial love. It's a noun and a verb. Faith is the same. When I have faith, it means there are actions that follow that faith. And if you want to know what it looks like, we have the Word of God to show us, to teach us. We have the life of Christ to show us, to teach us. That's why He gave us His Word and His Word incarnate. Most of us have heard the phrase, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. God must consider us worth a lot because He sent His Son to die for us. And what he asks in return is for us to give our lives to him. What is your faith worth to you? An occasional thought? An occasional prayer? 
Or is it worth your life? That's what he asks for. He asks for your life in return. That's what he wants. When these children come forward, listen to the words. Listen to the words. And you have an opportunity to recommit or even maybe for the first time commit your life to Christ. To understand truly what faith is about. What baptism is about. You know, God will never quit on you. He'll never quit on you. He gives you the opportunity to quit on Him. It's your choice, but He'll never quit on you. You can walk away. He's always there. These parents, they'll always be there for their children. The children can walk away. If you ever had a child that walked away, you understand. And you just always pray they come back. It's painful. It's painful, but they... If you plant the seed, if you love them, they'll come back. At least you trust they will. And that's why Jesus gave his life for you. Because he loves you that much. He wants you to come back. So we're going to do a baptism. But it's also an opportunity for you to affirm the same. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a circus. But it's also a serious time. Listen to the words. He hasn't quit on you, no matter which, where you are. Let's pray. Lord God, we see it in the world all the time. People quit jobs. They quit relationships. They even quit life. We also see people that are success in the world because they are all in. They give it their all. Lord, you were all in for us when you went to the cross. And you ask us to be all in for you. And that's what baptism represents. And that's what we remember every time we go to communion. Lord, we pray this day as we celebrate these sacraments. That you were willing to give everything for us.
that we might know you as Savior and Lord and give our lives in return and walk by faith. Lord God, for those here that don't know you, for those who have walked away from you, that they might return. Lord, for those who are here that are walking with you, that they might be strong in their witness. And for all of us. That we might walk by grace. And walk in your love. And be a blessing to those around us. Lord, we especially pray for those children today who are coming forward. For Zoe. For Tess and Oliver. For Eli and Levi. That this would be a new beginning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.